Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a different service today. Normally the last Sunday of the month, we take a, a couple of minutes at the, before we go into worship, look back over the last 30 days, and then give people an opportunity to stand up in their seats and I'm thankful that God has done this in my life. Um, rather than doing that this week, uh, we're gonna focus the whole service around the idea of gratitude or thanksgiving. So if you're joining us online, you'll have to kind of track with these different movements. Middle school, you guys are gonna stay in here the whole time. Probably not thankful for that, but you can <laughs> blame Javon. It was his decision. So um, we've got three focal points, and I'll share a little bit, and then we'll respond. I'll share a little bit, and we'll and then we'll respond, I'll share a little bit more, and we'll respond again. So that'll be the, the basic flow. We'll walk you through everything. Um, beginning, this is foundational. We want to have hearts that thank God for who he is. Thanksgiving can seem maybe innocuous, or in some ways, it can, for some people, it almost seems maybe even childish, but it can really have a powerful effect on our hearts. If we cultivate a heart of gratitude that perspective will go a long way in terms of shaping who we are as followers of Jesus. So we wanna begin by saying we wanna thank God for who he is, and that never changes. So regardless of what's going on in our life, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's lots of ways of accessing God's character. So there's, there are lists of attributes. You can Google that. There's titles and roles and names of God. And any of those things are great ways of trying to, to grab on to what exactly am I thanking God for? When I'm thanking God for who he is, what specifically am I thanking him for? Today, I'm going to give you two images that I think can be helpful for us. There are obviously lots more, but two for us today. One is rock and one is a shepherd. So to say God is our rock, two groups of attributes that fall under rock. One is something that I think we probably initially think of when we think about rock. It's God is our rock. He's steady. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He's constant. He doesn't change. It's what we think about when we think about a rock. And there's some scriptures there behind me that you may want to jot down or take a picture of that if that helps you as you're thinking about God as a rock. And what does it mean to thank him that he is trustworthy and faithful. We can take that for granted. Can you imagine if God was arbitrary or capricious? If you have a God who's all-powerful that you can't trust, that's scary. And so he's dependable and he's faithful and he keeps his word and he's consistent with his character, those types of things. To also say God is our rock, and this one we might not think about so much, mostly because most of us have never been in actual physical danger. It's rock as a fortress, as a stronghold, a refuge that people run to when they're in trouble. It's a place of protection. You can think about David when he was fleeing from Saul. He runs into the desert and he hides in mountains and caves. It's, it's that idea to say God is my rock is to say he's Again, my stronghold, my fortress, he's the refuge that I run to when I'm in trouble or when, when life gets difficult. He protects me. God is my rock. God is my shepherd. This is a, an idea that we've circled back to multiple times this year. It's been a theme for us. Psalm 23, the clearest expression of what it means for God to be our shepherd. And we've said when we're thinking about sheep, we're sheep. Sheep are 100% dependent upon the care and skill of their shepherd for their well-being. A sheep on its own is not gonna thrive. 
So for a sheep to thrive, it's, uh, it needs a caring and skilled shepherd. So when thinking about shepherd, we think about God leading us, God providing for us, God caring for us, God being concerned about our overall welfare and well-being. So those two ideas, God is my rock, which means he's trustworthy, he's faithful, he's dependable. God is my rock, he's my refuge and my stronghold and my shield. I run to him when I'm in trouble. God is my shepherd, he leads me, he guides me, he provides for me, he cares for me. He is invested in my well-being and my welfare. We're gonna go into worship. And for some of you, and this will be a theme throughout, for some of you, the things that, those two ideas, maybe intellectually, yes, but your experience is not so much right now. I'm not experiencing God as faithful and dependable right now. I'm not experiencing God as invested in my well-being and welfare right now. I know intellectually those things are true, but that's not my experience, so what am I supposed to do? So this is a place where, where faith comes in. Faith is an assurance of, of what we don't see. And so we all have a choice. I don't wanna be flipping about your circumstances at all. But we have a choice and we can say, I'm gonna allow my, ex- my current condition and my current experience to trump what the Bible reveals about God's character or I'm gonna choose in faith, even though I'm not experiencing that right now, faith, trust, putting my full weight on the revelation of who God is in the Bible I'm gonna allow this to trump my current experience and condition. It's not about denying reality. It's not about pretending that something is other than it isn't. Acknowledge that. God, I I know you're a shepherd, a good shepherd, but that's not my experience right now, November 26, 2023. Acknowledge that, don't deny it. And I'm going to thank you that you are a good shepherd even though I'm not experiencing that right now. That's not denying reality, that's actually faith and that will form and shape your heart. Over time, you're in a sense, you're you're teaching yourself the truth. You're saying, even though I don't, think about faith as a muscle, maybe it's too much to say, use it or lose it, but if you don't use it, it's useless to you. And so in these moments, when you're not experiencing the reality of who God is, to thank him for that is to strengthen your own heart and to realign your perspective with, with what is ultimately true. So the uh, worship team's gonna come. They're gonna lead us in worship. I'm gonna read you a few verses from Psalm 95 that tie together this idea of rock and shepherd. And as we go into worship, I just you can go ahead and close your eyes. Uh, I want you just thinking about those two realities. Listen to these verses from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You guys can stand, close your eyes if you would. Holy Spirit, would you lead us now into the truth that our Father is the rock. He's faithful and trustworthy. We can put the full weight of our lives upon him. Would you lead us into the truth that our Father is our rock? He's a fortress, a stronghold, a refuge in times of trouble. 
Would you lead us into the truth that God is our good shepherd and therefore we don't want for anything? I pray particularly for those whose reality right now does not align with that ultimate reality. I pray for grace to exercise that muscle of faith in worship. In Jesus' name. We also want to be thankful for what God has done, what God has saved us from. We're going to use Psalm 107. It's a, call, a psalm of corporate thanksgiving, which fits for what we're doing here. Uh, and there's four main stanzas in the heart of it, kind of the meat of it. And each stanza follows the same pattern. The people who are redeemed, the God's people say, we're in trouble. And that means exactly what you think. It's a state of unfavorable circumstance. We're in trouble. Our trouble is causing us distress, all this internal turmoil. And out of that distress, we cry out to God and he redeems us. Redeem in the strictest sense is a marketplace word to buy someone out of slavery. It came to mean really what we would say is rescue, getting somebody out of any bad situation. So we cry out, God redeems or rescues us from that trouble, saves us from that distress, and then we're called to thank him. Thank God for his unfailing love and for his uh, good deeds that he's done for us. So we're gonna look at these four different predicaments or circumstances or situations that people find themselves in when they, and then uh, that God delivers them from. And this is what I want you thinking. Which one of these is me? And it may be all four. You can, think, you can think back to your initial moment of saying yes to Jesus, but you can also think of all the times he's rescued you since then. So what we're doing is we're looking back and saying, what have you saved me from? What have you saved me from? He saved us all from something. So here's the first. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the, the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So desert, or your Bible may say wilderness, is a, it's a dangerous place for many reasons, primarily because there's no way of knowing where your next meal or your next drink of water is gonna come from. There's no reliable sources of food or water. So we've got people, we would maybe say they're lost. They're in the desert, they're wandering around and that leads to them being hungry and thirsty. And so they cry out to the Lord and he delivers them and their deliverance or their redemption, their rescue, looks like leading them to a city, a place that's populated, it's, that represents safety. There are people there who can take care of you, who can make sure you have something to eat and something that, to drink. And when we think about our own lives, if we think about this idea of being lost, that's a word that we often use to describe somebody before they begin to follow Jesus. You remember the deep desires of your own heart, the hungers or the thirsts that you had, and the things that we chase to try to satisfy those desires. We chase acceptance, we chase approval, we chase accomplishment, achievement, relationship, money. There's all any number of things that we chase to satisfy these deep hungers in our own heart. Was that you? Were you hungry or were you thirsty? And did Jesus meet that need? And you say yes to him and he satisfies those deep desires that only he can.
Some sat in darkness and under darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Another way that we talk about our redemption or our salvation is we were enslaved and Jesus set us free. So that's what we have. We have guys who are in prison. They're in a dark prison. And to be clear, it's because of their own choices. And God in his mercy, when they cry out to him, he delivers them. He rescues or redeems them. He brings them from the darkness into the light. He brings them from bondage or slavery to freedom. Does that resonate with you? Has Jesus rescued you from bondage? Has he set you free? That could be to a, a literal addiction, a sinful pattern of behavior. It could be to a thought pattern. It could be to fear, anxiety, bitterness, selfishness. Were you enslaved? Have you been enslaved and you've experienced the freedom of Jesus? Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. So we've got people who are afflicted. So that's an inner state of kind of conflict and anxiety. It's being deep upsets, not strong enough, deeply, deeply upset. These guys are so upset they're not eating. It says they loathe all food. That's how torn up they are inside. And, and that state is a result of their foolishness. We've said before, to be a fool in the Bible is not a comment about your intellect, but about your spiritual maturity. A fool in the Bible is someone who knows the truth and disregards it. It's someone who knows the way God wants them to walk and who chooses to walk in another way. So we've got people who out of their, in their foolishness, we know the truth, we're doing our own thing, and that's led them into all of this trouble. They've made bad choices and those bad choices have come home to roost. It's tearing them up in here. And they cry out for help and God heals them. Does that resonate with you? Maybe you were raised in a Christian home. Maybe your parents or your grandparents taught you about Jesus and maybe you decided, I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to do this on my own. Thanks, but no thanks. And so, not judging anybody, but in your foolishness, you went your own way. You knew the truth, and you decided to do your own thing. And then at some point, you woke up, and you realized you're all knotted up inside. You're afflicted. You're anxious, deeply upset because of the circumstances that you find yourselves in or found yourself in. You cry out to Jesus and he rescued you. He heals your heart. Is that you? Were you afflicted and he rescued you? Some went out on the, sh on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord as wonderful deeds in the deep for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. 
Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, but the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. So we've got sailors, merchants who make their living going from port to port, buying and selling stuff. So they're en route somewhere and a tempest, so a sudden strong storm pops up and they realize that they are literally sunk unless God helps them. They can't, they don't have the resources to navigate through the storm. They cry out to God and he calms the storm and leads them to a safe harbor. Was that you? Does that resonate? You said, I'm drowning at some point. I'm overwhelmed by the circumstances of my life. I'm helpless to fix this. And in that state of helplessness, you've called out to the Lord and he's rescued you. He's calmed the storms in your life. Four different situations, none are better or worse than the other. It's all trouble. It's all unfavorable circumstances. We're hungry and we're thirsty. We're in a dark prison. We're afflicted. We're overwhelmed. And Jesus steps in and rescues us when we cry out to him. We're going to take communion. We're going to do it a little different. Normally, you come forward a row at a time and we serve communion up here. Um, today, we're going to take communion together in our seats. So, if, so there are these four prayers that, that we're going to pray. In a second, I'm going to have you stand up and we're going to pray these four prayers. And I want you to just pray the ones that resonate with you. So there's a prayer for the lost, those who are hungry and thirsty. And I, you would say, Jesus rescued me from that, whether at my initial salvation or since then. I was searching and he satisfied me. I was in prison and he delivered me. I was in chains. I was afflicted. I was anxious and torn up on the inside. Or maybe you would say, I've been overwhelmed and he's calmed that storm. And just again, whether it's one or all four, I want you to, when we get to that prayer, I want you to pray it out. I'll pray all four of them out loud. And I want you to pray out loud whichever ones resonate with you. And then we're gonna read this thing called the Great Thanksgiving, which is something that we can say it helps set up communion and we'll take, we'll eat the bread and drink the juice at the same time. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna say a prayer just to help us focus. And then we'll go through these uh, corporate prayers together. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you speak to each one? Would you remind us? of what we've been saved from. A hunger and a thirst that only you could satisfy. A prison that only you could set us free from. Affliction, drowning, would you speak? Father, we're, th we're so thankful for the gift of your son, Jesus. We're so thankful for your willing your willingness to come and to live and to die in order to bring this great salvation into reality. And so we wanna receive the benefits of your death and your resurrection here in this place in our hearts in your name. Amen, you guys can stand. Hold that bread and that juice. So we're gonna start with the word Father. If this, this is you, then I want you to say it out loud. If nobody else on your row is saying it, it doesn't matter. You just say it out loud and I'll be saying it as well, start with that word, Father. Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. 
Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for settling me in your family, for satisfying my thirst and hunger with good things, for being my good shepherd. Next, so if you are enslaved, if you would say, Jesus delivered me from that, start with Father. Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for bringing me out of the darkness, for breaking the chains that bound me, and for being my light. For the afflicted, Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for healing my afflictions, for rescuing me from the grave, for being my way, truth, and life. And last, the helpless, the overwhelmed. Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for calming the storms of my life, for guiding me to safe havens, for being my prince of peace. Amen. So we're gonna read this together. This is a lot, a lot so just stick, stick with me and then there'll be a, a point in there where we'll take the bread and take the juice. So we'll start with that first word, Father. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you made us in your image to love and to be loved. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. By the suffering, death, and resurrection of your only Son, Jesus Christ, you delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. All right, we'll start with that next paragraph. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. This last sentence. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Jesus' offering for us. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Last thing. So, looking back, we thank God for what he's done in our life, our salvation, even more fundamentally than that, we thank God for who he is, his character. Those things never change. So a growth point for some of us, how do I thank God in the midst of my current circumstances? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, "Thank, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul says, give thanks in, not give thanks for. And so that, that preposition matters. We're not trying to figure out how to thank God for cancer or for some tragedy in our life. We're saying, God, I wanna thank you in the midst of this. And again, for some of us, this is, this is that exercising faith. Again, 
If we, if we don't use our faith, then it's useless to us. So what does it look like for me to put my full weight on the truth of what God says, even when I'm not experiencing that? When, when everything's great, you don't need any help from me or encouragement from me to thank him. But what about when things aren't going the way that we want them to? How do we thank him in those circumstances? Psalm 40, you may wanna read that this week. It sounds a lot like Psalm 107. It that, has that same sense of rescue. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and he heard my cry. He delivered me from the slimy pit. He rescued me from the muck and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He put a new song in my heart. Many will see and hear and put their faith and trust in the Lord. So that idea for us, calling to the Lord, he heard my cry. So that, in, that implies that we actually are saying, God, I don't like this and I want you to change it. Nothing wrong with that. These are my circumstances and they're not what I'm, they're not what I'm not enjoying them. And I'm asking you to get involved, crying out to him. Then we wait patiently and that's the, that's the push. That word, wait patiently, it's one word in Hebrew. It actually, all the way back, that word means tension. And that's what that does for us. Waiting patiently creates tension. There's tension between what I'm asking God to do and what I'm experiencing him doing in my life. And that can be very difficult for us to live in that tension. How do we thank him when we're waiting patiently, when we're living in the tension of what we're wanting to see and what we're actually experiencing. I wear contacts, some of you do, some of you have glasses. So you've heard this picture before. The, my, I see everything through my contacts. There's nothing that I see that is not processed through those contact lenses. They're on my eyeballs. So I can't see anything that's not other than through my contacts. Living our lives very easy for us, put on glasses or wear contacts that become colored by our circumstances, by our suffering, by our disappointment, by our frustration. And over time, what that does is I begin to look at God through those lenses. He's colored. I perceive him through the lens of my experience and my condition, through my frustration, through my disappointment, through my pain and suffering. And that can begin to distort who he really is. Giving thanks in the midst of those circumstances gives me a new set of contact lenses. It gives me a new set of glasses. And then, rather than seeing him through the lens of my disappointment, I see my disappointment through the lens of who he is. And that changes everything. The circumstances are still the circumstances. Those haven't necessarily changed, but my perspective on them has. I'm looking at them through the lens of who God is and what he has said he would do. And that's faith. Again, that's not denying reality. That's not Pollyanna. That's not rose-colored glasses. It's faith-colored glasses, and those are not the same thing. And again, not belittling the circumstances, being flippant with where you may be, I want to encourage you, what does it look like for you to exercise faith in the circumstance you're in? And one of the greatest expressions of faith can be thanking God. Again, we're not thanking him for, we're thanking him in. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's always true. It's falling apart. And he says, 
I'll never leave you or forsake you. God, I thank you. I'm not denying the reality. This is terrible. And I want it to change. But I thank you that you never leave me or forsake me. This is terrible. It's falling apart. And I thank you that you're always at work making me more like Jesus. This is terrible. It's falling apart. And I thank you that somehow, and I can't see it, you're gonna work all of this together for my good and for your glory. Part of it for us is dropping the deadlines. We gotta change our time horizon and recognize this life is not all there is. Even if whatever it is ends in death, if you're a believer, that's just the doorway into the next life. Again, not being trite about that. What would it look like for you? Yes, thank him for who he is. Yes, thank him for what he's done. Also, thank him for what he is doing in the midst, particularly, of difficulty. Not thanking him for, but thanking him in. New glasses. God, these are the things that you've said are true. And even though I'm not seeing them, I'm gonna put my weight on them. I'm gonna exercise that faith muscle and that through gratitude. And that's gonna form and shape my heart. We're not tricking ourselves, we're training ourselves. And that will have fruit, that will bear fruit over time. So this is how we're gonna close. Bo and Autumn are gonna come back. They're gonna lead us in a time of worship and ministry. We'll have ministry teams here up in the corners. Some of you limped in and we wanna pray with you about that. Some of you, Billy, literally limped in. So we wanna pray with you about whatever it is that you have going on in your life, physical, emotional, relational. We wanna pray with you about that. I wanna specifically invite those of you who are in a, in a difficult season of your life where you would say, I don't know what it looks like to thank God in the midst of this. Or maybe you would say, I've, I've put on the wrong set. I'm, my perspective and understanding and connection to God right now, it's run completely through the filter of my circumstances and I wanna change that. We wanna pray with you. We're gonna pray, one, that God would change your circumstances. We're gonna ask him for a breakthrough. We're gonna exercise faith and say, God, would you work? And we're gonna pray that God would give you grace to see where he is in the midst of that and to begin to thank him. I don't want anybody to feel like you're somehow a baby Christian or immature or anything like that if this is a struggle. As we live life, the challenges seem to increase. And so this is a lesson that we all have to come back to repeatedly. And if this is your time, then we would love to pray that God would meet you in the midst of it. So if you'd stand, I'm gonna say a prayer. Then Bo and Autumn will lead us in worship. And I want you to respond as you feel led to do so. I know the rows are a little bit tight. It's okay. You could just make your way to the front. People will give you space. God, we're thankful that you're our rock. We're thankful that you're our shepherd. We're thankful for all of the ways that you've rescued us in the past. And God, we're thankful that even in the midst of difficulty, we can have hearts of gratitude. So God, we wanna pray for those right now who are struggling, who are in a difficult season. And the idea of thanking you in the midst of that, maybe you would almost even say, that's, that's revolting to me. I don't know. God, I pray that you would meet the body in that point of pain and frustration. I pray more than anything that those who are in those places of difficulty would experience and know your great love for them. 
your nearness to them and your delight in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 